Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. All right, guys. Well, I am uh, really excited to uh, to hop on another episode of the Excellence Mindset podcast. And today I have the fortune of sharing some time with Dennis Carlson. Dennis, welcome to the Excellence Mindset podcast. Thanks, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. All right. So before I get into any questions, actually, there was something that I remembered you sent me that I just thought was so funny. Um, uh, I ask everybody uh, that is going to be on the podcast to share just a little bit of bio with me so I have some background. And one of the things you said in there was that you're an avid fly fisher who rarely catches any fish. So, <laughs> so, so that is, is correct. That you just, you're glutton for punishment or you just appreciate just swinging your arm back and forth? What is it? Well, uh, yeah, there's, there's something about standing in the river and doing the same motion over and over again without expectation that is really gratifying. Um, you know, I think you have to, I I've heard I've, you know, so, so I'm a, so I'm a pretty horrible golfer. I've golfed most of my life. Um, usually because I've had my arm twisted into playing golf and I've heard from people who, who really just love golf and do it over and over again, that they have a similar experience when they've, when they've tried, um, fly fishing. And so I don't know, you know, maybe more people can, can relate to that, but for me, um, I've just found kind of this, uh, Zen perfection in standing, standing in a river and not, not like focusing on the cast and the placement of the fly and the line on the water. Um, and then, you know, as an added bonus, once in a while you, you'll catch a fish, but, um, but you can ask my wife every time I come home, I, I feel like maybe I've, I've helped, uh, encourage her not to ask me first, did you catch any fish? But to first ask me, did you have fun? Because <laughs> <laughs> probably one of the worst questions you could be asked when you go, when you get back from a fishing trip where you've been skunked is, did you catch any fish? Yeah. So, just like a, a immediate yeah. discouragement when you walk in the door is the last yeah. thing that you want, right? Exactly. Exactly. It takes those moments of glory uh, down to, uh, down to reality. Right. It's just not right. Usually the conversation kind of ends there and I'm like, you know, but I, you know, but I had some pretty amazing dead drifts where the fly just like kind of floated over these riffles perfectly. Yeah. But, you know, nobody cares about that. There's got to be a fly fisherman or two out there that appreciates what you just said. Probably. probably. All right. So when you are not not catching fish uh, and uh, and zenning it up in the river, uh, so what what is it that you do uh, on a day-to-day basis? Who are you? What do you do? Yeah. So, um, so I run a B2B marketing agency called Agency Leverage. We primarily serve employee benefits brokers and commercial insurance agencies handling all of their marketing needs, but really we focus, um, on, on their buyers and, um, and try to put together a program that is really no, no fluff. I call it zero waste marketing. So my days, uh, these days are mostly spent, um, talking to, uh, people in the insurance industry that want to grow their business, um, and trying to help them do that. Um, and prior to that, I, I ran an insurance agency for just over eight years that I sold last year. And prior to that, I developed the employee benefits division at a commercial insurance agency. Um, and beyond that, I, I also have three kids and an amazing wife and we are avid travelers. So I always, you know, 
in the work that I do, I always try to make sure that I'm ultra mobile because we'll, we'll take off on extended trips. Um, sometimes, you know, regional and sometimes, uh, you know, on, uh, at locations throughout the world. So, um, we do a lot of travel and, and mix that in with, um, with the work that I'm doing. So I kind of, kind of maintain that balance wherever I can that I'm, you know, kind of, uh, never take true vacation, but also can, can kind of go anywhere. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what I just heard was that you are just a glutton for punishment because not only do you enjoy (laughs) fly fishing without catching fish, but you chose multiple times to work in the employee benefit space, which is just one of the most brutal and treacherous industries (laughs) to be a part of. So what what is it about the benefit space that uh, that that has intrigued you? I mean, I know you said uh, I think I read in your bio that uh, you were you know on the marketing side, just happened to work for an insurance agency, so it was just you were kind of there and just you had an affinity mm-hmm. to it. Or no, there was something that really drew you to yeah. get licensed yourself and 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 dive in further. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, I think if there's one word that that kind of sums all that up, it's relationship. Um, and I know everyone's, you know, everyone's selling says it's all about relationships, but I'm not talking about the selling part so much as, um, kind of what brought me into it and, and why I stayed with it. Um, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, you know, brutally honest and, and fully admit that I, I don't have some passion for employee benefits. Yeah. I've been in that industry, but, um, but I have a, like, I do have a passion for relationship. I do have a passion for, for helping people understand complex things in a simple way. And I think if you ask me, like, what's the one thing that I, that I've always enjoyed about employee benefits, um, that was, that was probably my favorite thing was, was, and it's, and it's not, um, altruistic. It's, it's actually fairly egotistical to be the guy in the room that actually knows more than anyone else in the room about the subject matter that they're talking about that really is confusing for people and really concerns, you know, concerns them and, and has to do with their health and welfare, being the person who can explain that in, in simple terms and put people at ease. I just, uh, enjoyed that. Um, the way I got into it and, and I'm sure, you know, you've talked to other folks in the business. I think you were in the business yourself for, for a while there. Um, you know that nobody says, Oh, I want to go and be an insurance agent. Nobody's nobody grows up uh, unless they're, you know, unless their mom or dad, you know, maybe owned an insurance agency, the rest of us just kind of fell into it. So yeah, I went to work for a, an insurance agency as a marketer because I, my wife and I had moved up to Northern California and, and I needed a job and I was a marketer by trade. So I found an insurance agency that gave me a shot and they, it was actually the owner of the agency that, that said, well, why don't you go get your insurance license? Um, and it was a commercial insurance agency. So I went and got my life and health license because there weren't really very many people at the agency doing that. And, and that was kind of the, the beginning of my career as a benefits broker. I didn't really even know what a benefits broker was before I took that, that job. But all of a sudden I had this license and I thought, well, I can go talk to some employers about health insurance and, from there, just started to really see that there was a lot of confusion at that time around HSAs. They were brand new. People didn't understand them. And I made it my mission to figure out what health savings accounts were all about and and um, started just talking to employers about how they worked and how they could save them money and, you know, 
all these cool things that you could do with HSAs and, and kind of cut my teeth on that and, and then just built a business, uh, from there. So yeah, it was, uh, you know, a, a long career in the, in the benefits business, but none of it really initially by design. Sure. Okay. So, so rewind back to something you said earlier. So you, you said something to the effect of, you know, the, the, you know, it, it wasn't out of anything other than like this. Yeah. I think you said the word egotistical uh, desire to be the smartest person in the room. So where, where was that birthed out of? Like, sure. Yeah. And I, and I know, and I, and I want to be clear that, you know, I wouldn't say that was the only reason, but I just wanted to be clear that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, pretending that I, you know, I was such a humble servant that right. all I wanted right. to do was, was help people. And I didn't care, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair. I mean, I, th- I think that like, you know, honesty is one thing that's missing in, sure. yeah. uh, in a good majority of the business that's done nowadays. Uh, not right. that that's anything new, but. I mean, definitely, it's probably pretty bad at this point. Uh, again, I just I pick on it because I I, I lived in it and I, I still do live in it. Uh, the health insurance space, mm-hmm. the employee benefits, sure. uh, seems to attract a lot more of that dishonesty. Um, so I appreciate you know you you saying it that way. And um, but so why? What is it about that desire to to be the expert? I'll I'll, I'll use the the good word there. Uh, so what is why what is the desire for you to be the expert in the room? Like why is that so important to you? And then how how has that played out for you other than just in the benefit space? Yeah, I think that um, you know you're you're asking a question that I I haven't probably done a lot of soul searching, so you're gonna have to work it out with me here on your podcast, um, <laughs> but. Um, but truthfully, that's, I would say that that's always kind of been there. Um, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to go back to kind of, you know, what it does for me or in, in, in kind of the need it, it fills, I, I was, you know, uh, in the music industry, I think I mentioned prior to being ever in the benefits space or in the insurance industry or any of that, I, I worked in the music industry for seven years before before I fell into the insurance industry. And, and my favorite thing uh, in the music industry was when I was managing artists. And one of the, one of the things I loved about managing artists was explaining like the complexities of publishing and copyright law and mechanical royalties and all these things that, you know, probably for most people are pretty dry. And certainly for most creative people are like so foreign and just not, not the thing they want to deal with. I really, I really got a lot of, pleasure when I realized that like I could understand these things and explain them in a simple way to artists. And I would say for me, probably what it, what it did and still does is it kind of, it kind of like gives me this, this thing that, you know, maybe some people get from being like a really great, you know, a a really accomplished athlete or um, a really excellent student, two things, which, which I never was, I was never a fantastic athlete. I was never really a great student. Um, the thing that I could do was kind of drive down to the heart of what people cared about and what mattered to them and, and give them some clarity and simplicity around that. And I think I just get a lot of satisfaction from knowing that, you know, when I have those conversations with, with, um, whether it was a client as an artist or a client as a, as an employer, when I was doing benefits or whatever it was that when I, when I'd get the co- feedback from them that, 
you know what? We never understood that before you explained it to us. That just, it just really made me feel good. Um, and I, and I don't know, you know, how else to kind of put it. I don't, I don't know that there's, you know, anything too much deeper than kind of what I've described, but that that's. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that that, I think that's extremely helpful because, you know, for, um, for each one of us, right. We're, we're really trying to work out what it is that brings us satisfaction, especially mm-hmm. when we're, when we're, I guess we can call it soul searching for, uh, for the good things that produce satisfaction in us. And so, you know, you, you mentioned there, you know, some, for some people it's, you know, I was a star athlete. And so, you know, being the, uh, the all-star or, you know, the game winning home run, whatever, like, you know, that's where I found satisfaction or winning, you know, being a part of a winning team or, you know, as a student or, uh, as a, as a you know, musical artist or whatever. And, and so for people, uh, that, that don't have that, or even that have had that in a, quote unquote, past life. And then as they move through into their professional career, we're searching for that again, right? We're searching for that sense of fulfillment. And um, as much as, um, you know, many people will say, well, you know, if I just become successful, that that's good enough for me, like what, you know, defining that is, is a challenge. And so I actually really appreciate that, you know, that you say that, because I think it's very telling of somebody's character, when, um, you know, when you want to be the expert, in order to serve the people that you're sitting across the table from it. So I, I think that that's fantastic. Yeah. And it's, and it's carried me into the, you know, the, the marketing agency. I mean, that, that frankly is one of the joys I get from doing what I do now is talking to people who feel like, you know, great, fantastic salespeople, people with, you know, million plus um, dollar, you know, books of business. Um, and they, they feel really inept, um, when it comes to marketing, they really feel like it's something that they don't understand and they don't, they don't really get, they can get in a room and close all day long, but things have changed so much and they feel like they're getting left behind in marketing. And, and, you know, I can still, I can be that same kind of resource to them. And I, and I get a lot of joy and satisfaction out of that. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I, I like that you said that. So you said that, you know, they are, um, you know, they've got a big, a large book of business, they're a great salesperson, but they struggle on the marketing side of things. So, so my kind of like gut response to that, and I, I would love to hear your feedback. So my kind of gut response there is they have disconnected sales and marketing from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if they could just realize that in, in many ways, it's one in the same, that they would have a much better, I don't know, success rate of marketing themselves. So do you, do you feel like that's the case or, or why do you feel like there's such a disconnect between them being able to market themselves and then being able to quote unquote close a deal. So, so yes, I agree that there's a massive disconnect between marketing and sales and whether, so, so so sometimes I'm working with like an individual producer who is an owner operator of an agency. So maybe it's, they have themselves, maybe one other agent and then a, you know, small support staff. And so there, you know, there's no marketing department, there's no sales department. It's just, it's just the agency. And honestly, for those folks, they, they have a pretty big disconnect between what's marketing and what's sales, but almost from a different perspective, when I compare it then to an agency with kind of multi-departments, multiple departments, and maybe they even have something, something called a marketing department. And there is very little alignment um, that I see. And that's just generally in, in, in business, I see a lot of misalignment there, but but kind of to your point about that individual salesperson, um, I think what happens a lot in, in my experience 
is that um, they see marketing as this this other thing that somebody else should be doing and not not what they do. And I think because the, this, I guess the success that I'm seeing on, on my side is due to the fact that what is considered marketing has changed so much. Like for example, you know, I was just, I just was on a, on a call earlier with somebody who was asking me about LinkedIn and how did, you know, how did, how do these people do all this stuff on LinkedIn and how do they get so many likes and all this? And, you know, they didn't even use the term engagement, but you know, they're asking these, these questions and that, as you know, is, is marketing. I mean, that's what that is, but it's also usually the people that are most successful on a platform like that are just being themselves, right? They're just, they're just doing all the things that a good salesperson should be doing, but they're doing it on this other platform. And the same thing with like email marketing, um, the same thing with, you know, content, any kind of content marketing. I mean, it's really taking what like your good instincts that you have as a salesperson and translating it into all these other platforms that are now available to us and that, and that buyers frankly are looking for information on rather than waiting for a salesperson to show up and, and have a conversation with them. So I think that, that, that disconnect exists, but I also, I also want to be careful not to, you know, I work with a lot of salespeople who they're at a stage in their career where they're simply never going to become like a, marketing technology expert or a LinkedIn, um, a LinkedIn expert. They're just not, it's not going to, it's not something they're going to do, but they still have a lot of value to provide. They, it doesn't, because they can't do that doesn't mean they, they aren't going to continue to be a good salesperson and provide a ton of value to their clients. They're just not going to be able to maybe use some of these tools to the extent that some younger folks are able to. And what I'm trying to do is, is partly with, with some of those clients kind of bridge that gap for them and say, Hey, look at, let's take all your knowledge and we'll help you get it out on, on these various platforms and, and, um, and serve, serve that audience still, but we're not going to like force you to learn all these new technology platforms, which really aren't, aren't your business. I mean, you don't become a better benefits broker by um, being super engaged on LinkedIn. I mean, some might argue that you could, but I would, I would say that, you know, your ability to set up an email marketing automation program doesn't, um, help you, uh, show a client how to save money on their, on their healthcare, um, spend, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so that's what, you know, I'm trying to, to really take all that knowledge that somebody already has and, and all the things that they instinctually do and, and either show them how to, to automate some of that and, and how to reach wider audiences and new audiences with that, or, or frankly, just do it for them, um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's important that people hear that you don't have to do everything right. I mean, you, you know, this being an entrepreneur, right. You start a business, Mm -hmm. you know, in one sense, uh, depending upon how you, you know, how you get started and how you're set up, um, you, you have to take on a lot of stuff, right? But then as you grow or as you desire to grow, you've got to start um, giving some of that stuff away, right? Paying other people to do things. And I think that's that can be hard for a lot of reasons, right? One, I'm sure you see is... Um, uh, we we don't think that uh, or we don't think there's anybody that can do it as good as we can do it. Um, so there can be a challenge there. There can be a challenge in the fact that we just don't want to spend money, right? It, it's hard to give up profit uh, to pay somebody else to do something. And then maybe even the third thing is like I'm just afraid to do that, right? Like I because I don't know I don't know what's going to happen, and so the only way to protect my fear is just to not do anything at all. Right. Then that's that's probably you know. My, 
my biz- biggest obstacle is as a guy selling marketing services to salespeople. Um, you know how meta how meta can it get? But my <laughs> biggest obstacle is is apathy usually. You know, yep. um, and that's the thing is like I try you know I try to work with success people who are already successful. I can't you know I I can't take someone who who can't sell and suddenly turn them into a sales. I'm not a, I'm not a sales trainer. I'm not, I'm not telling you how to go and close deals. I'm, I'm getting you to the table hopefully. And so it, it, it becomes kind of like this, well, we've always done things this way. We know things have changed, but you know, when you, when you look at marketing and you use that term, even it's so broad, you know, there's so many things that you can do that people, that people call marketing. So it's like, well, why is this way? the way, you know, your way. Cause I'm going to give you like a framework and a, and a, and a platform, uh, and a strategy to X that either, you know, you're going to execute on, or we're going to execute on your behalf, but it's, it's a way it's a singular way. It's not, we're not going to do everything, you know, under the sun that, that people call marketing. And that's hard for some people. They're like, yeah, but what about this? I heard about webinars. I heard about, you know, maybe I should start a podcast. Maybe I should, you know, it's like, yeah, don't start that podcast. It's too much work. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Or just become a guest on people's podcasts. That's, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I think that it's, it's, it's apathy. And, and like you said, fear, I think fear, you know, stops us from doing lots of things, but particularly as, as successful salespeople, the idea of doing something different, um, can be pretty scary. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Okay. So, so how about like now kind of back to, you know, you and your business yourself. So you've just started this business this year, which congratulations on one hand. Thank you. The other hand, I know you've done this before, but God, I'm praying for you because (laughs) it's not easy, right? We're, we're, uh, we're only eating what we kill and with a wife and kids, they're only eating what you kill too. Uh, So a lot of pressure comes with that. But um, so how would you define success in your own business? Like how, how are you, yeah, first, how would you define success? Well, um, you know, very, very crassly, I, I'm defining success um, by, by revenue in the door um, is one simple way. I mean, it, you know, and I don't, and I don't define success that way in life, but when you've, when you've sold a business and had regular revenue coming in the door, you know, for the past, you know, 14 years. Um, and all of a sudden you, you know, yes, you got a payout for selling a business, but you're, you're not bringing in, you know, monthly revenue, getting back to some semblance of that, um, is a, is a metric that I'm keeping a really close eye on. So that's one success metric, but really, I really define success by what my family life looks like my time with my family is important. I've always been, I've, I've always said with my, with my previous business and with this business, like I'm, I'm kind of 50%, uh, revenue, 50% lifestyle. If you, if you come to like the two basic metrics that I look at, so the revenue is important because it, it, it's gotta happen. But, um, lifestyle is also super important to, to me. And I don't mean stuff. I don't mean lifestyle so we can afford, you know, right. nice cars and go on the most expensive vacations or anything like that. I mean, just like, can I go, you know, take my kid to uh, soccer practice and go watch their game? And can I, you know, I got to spend the day in San Francisco with my daughter, my 15 year old daughter two weeks ago, um, on a Monday, you know, because the rest of the family was off doing something mm-hmm. like, can I, you know, like, like how much of that stuff can I do? And, um, there's a director that I really like. Um, uh, the, I don't know if you know the Duplass brothers, they're, they're film directors. 
Um, I think it was Mark Duplass talks about soul points kind of has this idea of like things that, that like add points to your soul and things that detract from your soul. And that's kind of a metric that I've been like using and, and, you know, don't necessarily quantify it, but thinking about things in this, in terms of like, does this, does this add value to my soul or does this detract from it? And certainly there's always going to be those things that, that detract, right? I mean, they just exist sometimes. And, you know, there's things in, in your job and in your life that you don't love to do and, and don't add, like, you don't feel like they add a ton of value, but they kind of like need to be done. But you always want those, yep. those positive soul points to well outweigh the negative soul points. So that's, you know, even when I'm looking at like the business that I'm doing and the clients that I want to work with, like, we're working with this person, no matter the revenue, we're working with this person add value, um, to the, to those soul points or take away. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, uh, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. And, and I, I absolutely love the second half. I think that sometimes the issue that I have with the, the first part of the statement, not that you said it, but I think that many of us say it is that we attach success and revenue together. And I know you were hesitant to say that and you know, you kind of qualified it a little bit, yeah. but I, I think it's really unfair that we do that to ourselves because, um, we ultimately don't have control over revenue that comes into our company, right? Like we can do all the right things. You know, you can be a fantastic marketer yourself. You can be a great salesperson. You can provide a great, uh, uh, you know, great value to the, to, to the audience that you're serving and people still may not buy from you. Right. Um, and so again, I get that like, you know, business success is typically, you know, there's, there's some metric of revenue there. I just think that a lot of times we unfairly put that on ourselves. Um, yeah. and, and that just creates so much pressure, right? Because then yeah. you go home and you're like, gosh, I didn't, you know, there, I didn't get a new deal today. And so I'm just I'm kind of miserable. And, you know, then, you know, that just works out into, into so many other things too. So, yeah. And you're, and you're exactly right. And, you know, I, I, to, you know, to be clear, the way I manage it, I mean, I don't, you know, when I worked for an insurance agency, they had a whiteboard that, you know, every week you put numbers up on that whiteboard about how many deals you closed that week. And then of course that month meant everything. And when I started my own agency, you know, I had no, I had no whiteboard. You know, I look at a, a very, I take a very macro approach to, to those revenues. Certainly I had some, some goals to say like, Hey, this is how I, you know, can make this thing sustainable and, and work for me and my family. And it, you know, here's what we have to do to, you know, make sure that we don't have to sell the house. And here's what I have to do to make sure I don't have to go find, you know, find a, a job working for somebody else, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but you know, is, was, was not the goal that I set out when I, when I started my company. But I think that, um, to your point, but also, also I, uh, kind of, uh, you know, not necessarily contrary to your point, but when I was in the music industry, um, it was way more unfair. <laughs> it was way more unfair. The effort, the effort you put in, in that business for the revenue out was, was so dependent on so many things that were out of your control that I felt like when I got into the insurance industry, I felt like and I used to say this, I mean, this is one of the things that I first kind of realized. I was like, you know, one of the things I love about what I'm doing now is that I feel like I can put effort into this. And I know that I know that I'm going to be compensated for my effort. And when I was managing artists, I mean, music is so subjective, right? So to get somebody to, to hand you in, in those days, you know, $15 for a CD, 
um, it wasn't necessarily due to the efforts of me, the marketer or me, the manager, you know, it might've been due to the efforts of, you know, their ability to write good music, the songwriter or whatever. But, um, but I found, I feel like, you know, and I feel the same way with, you know, with marketing. I mean, there is a metric to it, right? If I'm not doing a good job for my clients and they're not seeing success, financial success in their business, um, that they can attribute at least somehow to the services that I've provided. Um, I'm not going to stay in, I'm not going to stay in business very long. So I do agree that we put too much pressure on ourselves there. And I, and I'm definitely against the, you know, I, I don't like the whiteboard mentality and, and I'm not a, I, I'm not a quota carrying sales rep my, myself. Um, I don't put those pressures on myself. Um, but, uh, to be sustainable, like that's, that's something we need. And so the, the effort, you know, um, I think, I think it can go both ways, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and highly driven salespeople are probably the ones that need to hear that message, which is, Hey, it's, it's not always going to work out. And that's not, you know, like build a relationship, do a great job for the people that you work with. Um, and the business, you know, should, should follow. That's yeah, absolutely. And for anybody that is under 30 years old, that just listened to that last point, I just want to let you know that a CD is a compact disc, it's <laughs> circular, a flat um, a item that music was imprinted onto and you slid it into a player and uh, not like a record player, which is a whole nother generation. Right. Well, those are all, <laughs> everyone knows what a record player is now. Yeah. Vinyl's like, it's like come back, right? Fastest growing sector of the music industry. Yeah. I heard somebody talking the other day about, um, they got a disc. Uh, they remember back when they got a disc and that they put it into their computer and that's how they loaded up AOL. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like there are so many people that have no idea what that guy just said right now, you know? Right. The, the latest, the latest laptop I bought does not have a place to put one of those in it. Yeah. It's crazy, right? I mean, it it doesn't exist. Yeah. They don't even have many like holes to plug into. Right. I mean, it's just getting more and more limited. You don't need to connect to anything anywhere at any time. Okay. So, uh, so you're in business for yourself. Uh, you're plugging away. You've been at this for seven months now. Um, and so what whole, what do you do to hold yourself accountable to goals? I mean, you said you have goals, right? You got these metrics in place. And so what are you doing to, to, to drive yourself forward? Um, you know, I, it probably sounds too, uh, you know, too hashtaggy, but sh- show up. Um, I, I really made a commitment to get up and go to the office and, and work and, and I have, you know, I have my, my checklist and the things that I want to get done for that day. And then I have my broader goals, but it's really just executing on that. And, and it may sound like simplistic or it may sound like, well, you know, isn't there more to it? But honestly, for me, showing up is, is the thing because as a benefits broker, um, and you might know this from, you know, working with other benefits brokers, when I, when I kind of realized I probably didn't really need to grow my business, you know, much more, um, I, I showed up for, you know, for what clients needed. Um, but I had a good, a good team that mostly took care of that. So, um, I got pretty, pretty into just, you know, kind of working when I wanted to, um, and didn't need to kind of, you know, worry too much about growing that business. And I, and I knew what I was getting into when I, when I sold it, I knew I was like, you know, some people would say like, why the heck would you, you know, you had a great lifestyle and you, 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 you could work kind of the hours you wanted kind of when you wanted, um, except for fourth quarter. Um, uh, why would you do that? But, but that's, that's the decision I made. And, and that's how I've held myself accountable is just in my, in my here, like in my, 
am I at my desk, like working? Am I, am I meeting with people? Um, am I working, you know, every single day to move the business forward in some way? Um, and then, you know, my broad metrics are, you know, did I, did I get any new clients this month? If so, you know, did I, and I'm, you know, quite frankly, I'm still working out like some seven months later, still working out like pricing, you know, it's it, in the insurance industry. It wasn't, I didn't get to choose pricing. It was just, it was decided, you know, based on the, the premium, it was already there. And now I've actually got to like figure out things like pricing. So like, those are some of the metrics I'm trying to figure out too. Like what's, you know, what's the value I'm providing? What's the, you know, so, you know, what's it, what's it, what does it make sense for the client? What, what is still affordable? Um, you know, all those things. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of moving parts to that, but I, I would say just like showing up, looking at, you know, what, what needs to be done and executing, um, every day is, is the thing. Otherwise, otherwise a business is just a good idea and, you know, uh, ideas are, ideas are really easy to come by. Um, action, action is everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's great that you're able to keep, you know, yourself, uh, so, you know, so intentionally motivated and disciplined there. I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, most people aren't able to do very well on their own. And, uh, you, you know, when you, yeah, and you have to, I mean, for me, I have to be excited about what I'm doing. I mean, I honestly it would, it would be really tough for me. Um, you know, I would do it if I needed to for, you know, for, for family or, you know, whatever, just so that we, you know, we could, we could get by. But, um, for me, I, I, like being excited every day and that's, that's not always the case. You know, I'm excited every minute of every day about what I'm doing, but I'm, but I'm overall, I would say I'm a, like, I wake up like pretty excited about my business and, and what we're doing for clients and the conversations I get to have. So that, that motivation, I'm still in the honeymoon phase, you know, um, yeah. the, the world is still my oyster <laughs> at seven months in, I still, still see so much opportunity and, and so much need, um, out there that, you know, I, I'm, ask, ask me, um, ask me in 12 months, how I, how I, how I keep showing up every day. Ask me in 24 months. Yeah. No, but I think a part of it, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, I think you said something in there that's really important, right? You got to love it. Um, I, I shared a, a, a video on LinkedIn the other day and, you know, I was talking about this idea of like, if, if you don't care about what you're doing, if you don't have passion for what you're doing, I use the word pivot, but really what I want to say is like, get the heck out of there and do something else. You know, it's like, just, I, it, it drives me nuts to see so many people that are spending countless hours doing things that they're not excited about. And unfortunately, I mean, you, you know, this, you know, in the benefits arena, the problem there is, is there is a huge allure for money. You know, I can work really, really hard for three to five years, uh, and if I'm good, I can make three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. As a result, now just basically resting in my laurels, and you're no longer excited, and and that's bad for the person. That's horrific for the business. As a business, you're like, I, I don't even want you here anymore. You know, like you're just not contributing. And so, I, I love that. You know, that idea of being passionate. I think it's just so critical to. Uh, to life, but I mean, definitely to business and, and not enough people are passionate. And I see, and I see it on both sides. I mean, you're talking about people who are making great money and, and by, by all like the world's metrics are quote unquote successful. Um, and I see it on the other side too. I see, you know, and I understand not everyone's entrepreneurial. I mean, that is, that is something that I've, I've almost, it, I didn't ever call myself an entrepreneur until I sold my company. And I had always, it, 
in my heart, I always, I always called myself one, but I never said it out loud or I rarely would say it out loud. Cause I'm like, well, you know, I can't really call myself an entrepreneur, but what I've, what I've come to terms with is that it's not for entrepreneurism isn't for everyone, but passion is. And so I, you know, I, I don't feel like, Oh, if you don't like what you're doing, just go start a business doing what you like. I know not everyone can go do that. Um, that seems like a very natural thing for me. Like that seems like, well, of course, like just make your own job. If you don't like the job you're doing, <laughs> like go, go make one that you like. But, but the idea that when I, when I talk to people and I, do, I feel like I have these conversations a fair bit because people are like, Oh, how did you, you know, you built your business and sold it. And like, ah, oh, man, I would love to do something like that. I'm like, well, you can do something like that. Like, what are you excited about? Why don't you go do that thing? Like, why don't you go try to do that thing? And, and people think these things are so hard. And I think like your experience probably too. I mean, you, you've, you've done a number of different things. Like these things aren't uh, insurmountable. You can, you can, there, there are so many opportunities right now um, for people to do what they want to do that I, you know, I try to encourage people like, you know, you don't, you don't have to be stuck doing something that you hate that sucks the life out of you. Um, yeah. As long as, you know, I think too many people nowadays are looking at the, um, the glory of entrepreneurship, you know, they're looking at, and, and I appreciate the guy, but you know, the Gary V's of this world and things like yeah. that. I think I'm like, you know, I'm going to, and, and he doesn't preach this, but like, I'm going to give up everything and I'm going to be the next Gary V. And it's like, no, right. no, no, like you, there's gotta be, there's gotta be some deep, deep intention and passion behind what you're doing and purpose. I mean, I remember right. when I started my business back in 2011, we had, uh, I had, a, um, I was married and I had both of my children at that time. So two young kids, my wife was not working. We owned our own home and I got laid off of a job through a series of events. I decided I'm starting, I'm going to start a business. And I had, we had $500 to our name, Mm -hmm. like no savings account, no 401k, no nothing. Uh, We definitely had a lot of friends and family that along the way helped us out. But that risk in the beginning was I have $500 to do what I need to do. um, And if I don't start making money, like we're going to be out of our house. And of course, you know, just by the, uh, the wonderful providence of God, uh, one of the first tests put before me was three days after I started my business, I had an opportunity to invest $500 into something that I knew was going to produce a great return on, on that money for my business. Hmm. But that meant no money, right. Right? <laughs> right? And so I had to go home to my wife and be like, yo, I think this is what we have to do. And she said, and she's been this way the whole time. It's like, you know what? If you believe in it, then I believe in you and we're going to do this. That's awesome. And again, grace of God, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we were able to get through that first part. There was definitely a lot of roller coaster along the way. And, and again, a lot of friends and family, but, yeah. but I had to, you know, I had no choice. There was no going back. I didn't sock up a bunch of money and then I got to go out and start a business. Like it was e- either like, you know, crap or get off the pot. Right. And, and I just, I had to, I had to go for it. Yep. That's awesome. That's that's a fantastic story. And I think that, you know, it, that, that level of risk, um, is certainly, you know, you have to have, you have to have somebody by your side. Like you said, your, you know, your wife was who, who says, yeah, I believe in you. And I, and like, I'm, I'm here with you. And I would, I would say, and if you don't, if you, if you have, you know, a significant other or a spouse and they're not saying that, like, that is, you know, what should cause you to, to stop and maybe do that pivot or maybe think about something else? Because I think, I think that that is so important, you know, and I think that a lot of times um, people miss that, you know, that they, they kind of think entrepreneurism and starting a business is kind of about 
the person, but if that person is part of a family, um, it's everybody, everyone's in it, you know, it's not, it's not just you. Um, yeah, because I mean, you know, regardless, you know, this right every day you have to go home and you have to continue to be a husband and a father and hopefully a good one. Um, and, and you have to invest there too. And when you're killing yourself at work mm-hmm. and it's not going well because you got into the wrong space, um, or you made a bad decision, like they're going to pay for it, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that's a shame because I see that happen a lot. Yep. Yep. I know. I mean, I'm here, I'm up here, you know, really close to Silicon Valley and I, and I see a lot of, a lot of that people really like sacrificing family for, you know, hashtag startup life, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah. I, for, the, for the chance to be a unicorn, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and I know <laughs> so, a lot of good people, I know a lot, you know, caveat that too, you know, I, I know a ton of good people in the startup world too, that, you know, families first. And, um, but, but I just see, I just see so much like of buying into this idea that, man, if I'm just financially successful, then my, you know, then I'll, I'll be able to like have this great family life. And it's totally the opposite. You know, like figure that stuff out first and then you can, you know, then you can figure the rest out. Like, like, yes. Yeah. So I, yeah, there's no, there's no waiting on a, on the family stuff. Your kids do not care. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. If you you got a new client yesterday, I need to eat and I want that toy. Right. Exactly. So, so who has been a really big influence for you in business? Like who, who has kept driving you forward, whether that's personal in your life or. I don't know, someone you look up to outside of that. Yeah. So, I mean, um, so my dad, uh, my dad ran his own business, um, uh, and he, he passed away before I started, before I, before I launched my, my first, uh, well, my, my first insurance business, um, before I launched my, my agency. Um, but he was somebody that from a business perspective and, and, and my dad, like, like all our dads was, was flawed in, in many of his own ways. Um, uh, but man, as far as like the, the approach he took to business, um, is something that I always reflect on and, and always kind of just think about the way that he, that he handled his business, but also the way he handled it at home. I mean, for example, and I, and I can't even say that I do this, but my dad, he never, you know, he ran a manufacturing business in the Detroit metro area, servicing um, auto manufacturers and aerospace industry. So it's like this is like this is like tool and die part, you know, greasy parts yeah. business. That's that's the kind of operation he ran. And he ran a shop, you know, of about, you know, I think, you know, when he passed away, there were probably like 30, 40 people working in the shop. Um, and a lot of stress around, you know, those like getting those parts out on time and getting the bids right and doing all this. And man, he never talked about it at home. Like he'd come home and he was fully present, uh, when he came home and, and he wasn't a guy who was, you know, working all weekends or working late. I mean, he kept like, like normal business hours and, um, and he built this thing, you know, literally from, from the ground up. Um, he didn't inherit it or anything like that. He, he started it with like a single machine and then, and then built it up. And so I just kind of look at, you know, his attitude towards it less, less than even like his like business acumen or, you know, and and he he was an excellent sales guy, but I look more at like the way he treated the relationships within that organization and the way that he, um, the way that he made it work, you know, with our family and the way, and the way that, you know, what was, what was actually important to him, the way that he, he showed us what was actually important in life. 
which really wasn't, um, you know, making sure the business was like always successful. That was never something that like, I, I got the sense that like the business came before anything else. Um, but that he ran a great business and, and people love to work for him. And so, yeah, I would say if, you know, if there's anybody that I, I kind of reflect on, like, you know, and who I wish I could talk to about, you know, some of the stuff that I go through mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, um, he'd definitely be that, that guy. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't have a, have the time to get off on this tangent, but you know, so many people use the excuse of their family to sacrifice their family when they, when they're in mm-hmm. business, you know, it's, a, I'm going to work for my family. I'm, I'm, I'm working 60, 70, right. 80 hours a week for my family. And there's truth, right? There's seasons that we need to do that. But I think that we abuse that. And I think men definitely abuse that more than anything, uh, just yeah. for the sake of their own success and glory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the last thing I'll say about that is, is, you know, as a kid and growing up, it, it never occurred to me that I was odd the way that he was about work. I thought it was the most normal thing until I started working and seeing that this wasn't the way that it was, you know, I just kind of assumed that that's, you know, that's what you did. And, and, you know, come to find out that you're, I mean, that is not the way that it's usually done, especially, you know, with business owners, um, yeah. So it, it's, it, it's really, it was, it's been inspiring to me. Um, and something that I actually strive for is to, to maintain that That's awesome. level of sanity in the house. Yeah. So, so, uh, so as you are now, you know, so many months into your business, as you look ahead, so what, what are you fearful of? Like, what do you, what, what, what keeps you up at night? What concerns you as, it, as you look forward in business? Um, you know, the things that concern me will, uh, are really kind of around, um, as far as the business goes, kind of around what, what growth looks like, you know, what that means. I, I really feel, um, what the word, I don't want to, I don't want to use a, a term to misrepresent it, but, but I feel like I'm on, I feel a little, I guess, schizophrenic sometimes about how I feel about my business and, Um, and what I mean by that is sometimes I'm like, you know what, I just want to, I want to run my own shop. I'm going to work mostly with like freelancers and 1099s. I'm not going to have, um, employees. And then other times I'm like, well, I'd like to build like a business with some, with employees and culture and, you know, all the things that go into, you know, building an agency like that. And I think I get kind of fearful, um, of what either one of those looks like, Mm. you know, as I, as I go forward. Um, I don't worry too much about, um, the, the ability to grow. I don't find myself spending too much time worried that I, you know, can't go and get that new client, although maybe I should be, but those just aren't the things that keep me up. It's more about like, man, I don't, the unknown of what this thing's going to look like. And I think it scares me sometimes that I haven't figured it out yet that I'm, you know, I'm seven months in and I'm still kind of asking myself, well, what do I really want the organization to look like. Um, I feel like I have, I should have that figured out and, and I don't feel at peace with it yet. So, well, if I can give you any bit of encouragement and I mean, I know you've, you've, you've bought or, you know, you've started and sold businesses, but, um, you know, I am, uh, minus a, a short stint in between. I'm, I don't know, seven years into this thing. And I think there's still days when I look out and go, man, what is this supposed to look like? <laughs> or, right. or what, what is the future going to be? You know, I, well, that's good. I think that, <laughs> You know, there's times I'm like, yeah, I know exactly. Like, what do I, I always say? What do I want to be when I grow up? And there's times I'm like, uh-huh. this is exactly what I want to do. And then, you know, you catch me the next day and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I think I want to do. And so I, I don't know what that mm-hmm. is, if that's fear or 
uh, squirrel syndrome where I'm looking at a bunch of different directions. Yeah. I'm right there with you. That's really good to hear. Yeah. I'm glad for, that you said that because I feel like I do, I do come across people who have these same sensations, but I feel like it's, it's not the, the normal conversation I have. I feel like, you know, most people have either, have either really figured out what it is, or at least they're saying that they, you know, they give a, they give a present, uh, an, an essence that they've, you know, got it, got it figured out. And this is kind of who they are and what they're going to be. And I'm, and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. What am I going to be when I grow up? Still asking that yeah, question. Yeah, gosh. I- and I even think the ones that say they got it figured out, they don't have it figured out. Right. right. They're, they're just talking a big game. Right. <laughs> All right. So as we uh, as we kind of close up, um, so uh, I, I usually position this one a little bit different or differently, but today I would say so. For people out there that are listening, I've got quite a few people that are uh, in the um, uh, business ownership space, so mm-hmm. they're just getting ready to get going, kind of like that entrepreneur to be. And so what is one bit of advice that you feel it would be really important for other people to take away? Uh, execute, do some, do something. I mean, I think, um, the, the number one thing I see with, with people who want to either, you know, launch a business or a side hustle or whatever, you know, whatever it is, is that people often think they have to have it figured out before they launch. And I would say, just start executing on your idea. Um, go do something with it. That isn't like, like journaling, um, and thinking about all your ideas or just talking to people about your ideas. Like, like, and you know, and if, and if I wanted to take it even a step further, cause I know that you, 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 you know, kind of appeal to, to sales folks is like, go, go sell something like, Try to sell your, you know, try to sell a version of what you think it is that you're working on. And, and my, my caveat to that is, you know, if you're selling something that can harm people, if you get it wrong, then, you know, back up and do, do all your R, your R and D before, before you do that. But there are so many things in, in life that you can, you know, businesses that you can work on that, that if you screw it up, most people, you know, most people are going to be okay. Like, you know, it, it like you know, if you're selling pharmaceuticals or, you know, and, and certainly, you know, health insurance is one of those things, be, you know, be careful, make sure you know what you're doing, but, um, but execute on something. That would be my one piece of advice. Cause I think, I think I talk to so many people and I know you do too, that have ideas and they think they've got these great ideas. And I get, you know, people would start telling me this thing. I'm like, Hey, Hey, don't steal my idea. And I'm like, man, I would love for you to steal all my ideas. Like I've got all these ideas running around in my head. Like you can have all of them and I dare you to execute on any of them because, because I don't have the, I don't have the time or the energy to do, to do all these things. And man, no one's going to steal your idea. Just, just run out and do it. Like that's not, that's not what, you know, you don't ever hear of like success, successful business people who's, who, who, you know, I didn't make it because my idea got, my idea got stolen. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, so. everyone's already thought of it anyway, somewhere. Okay. So execute so any recommendations on a great book you've read uh, uh that that would help people to execute or that have helped you to execute on on your goals so my my favorite book kind of in the in the business book realm um is the hard thing about hard things by ben horowitz i don't know if you've read that one um no uh so here's what I'll say about this book. And, and, and as far as like execution goes, like, I think it's like a great book as a resource for, um, watching somebody 
go through some of the worst experiences um, as a leader in business and still coming out the other side. So this book is is chock full of, um, and this is why I love this book because it's kind of contrary to most business books out there. It actually like talks about all the hard things in business. It's not about like, it's not a, it's not a how-to guide to, like of how to be successful in business. It's, it's, he's sharing experiences of where things went horribly wrong and, and, and isn't trying to like spin it like, and here's, and here's how, you know, it turned into this amazing thing. Like just, it's a really honest book about um, the heart. It's the hard thing about hard things. It's a really just honest, honest view of that. And I feel like reading that really just, and I actually just went and reread it um, about a week ago. I read it, I read it a couple of years ago and then I reread it um, a week ago. It's really, um, it really gives you kind of like almost uh, permission to fail um, kind of gives you this idea that like, like, and, 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 and to me, it just plays right into that idea of just, just execute. Like you might not get it right. And, and you might screw up and these hard things will happen, but you know, just push forward and, and get through those, those rough spots. Um, if you're really passionate about what you're doing, um, you, you really are going to have no choice. Yep. No, I love it. All right, Dennis, I appreciate so much the opportunity to chat with you today. And yeah, um, thanks for having me. You are a whole lot more than just a fly fisherman that can't catch fish. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad that we cleared that up. Um, I'm going to make sure to uh, to put links to get in contact with you in the show notes. So whether you're a, a benefits broker, and I know that's uh, one of Dennis's specialties uh, on the marketing side of things, and you want to reach out to him for that or if you have a question about anything that uh, that he maybe uh, brought up today, we'll make sure to, to put links to uh, his LinkedIn profile and uh, email address in the show notes and a couple of other things that he mentioned there. So again, Dennis, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, it was great talking to you. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.